0: Welcome, everybody, to uh, another edition of my uh, podcast. And uh, I am going to start off this one uh, slightly uh, differently in the fact that um, I owe a huge apology and my huge thanks to Scott, because this is take two of Up Your Content Game, because earlier in the week, uh, we had an amazing conversation and we got to the end. And uh, I'm going to blame it on the heat in London. Uh, I forgot to press record. Uh, much to my embarrassment. It's the first time I have ever done this in the best part of 115 episodes of my uh, podcast. So uh, my huge uh, thanks and apologies to uh, Scott, but I can absolutely confirm that we are recording now. So all is uh, all is good. So without further ado, Scott, um, who, what, uh, why, when, uh, where, you're a returning guest. But for those of you who don't know, let's hear the story of Up Content, and then see where this uh, this takes us.
1: Yeah, sure, and, and Alex, if we had to do it all over again, which again, hopefully we won't, but I would. Uh, if we need to get to take three, we can. I just hope this conversation is truly gonna be as good as the first one that we had together. Uh, so thanks for, for having me back. I'm excited to talk about all of the changes that we've seen since the first time we had a conversation. And for those who haven't heard that episode yet, it was all focused on, is content still king? And if you don't want to listen to the whole thing, I think the the summary of that discussion was content is still important, but what we had seen at that time was a movement from everyone wanting to hear what the brand was sharing to to what we were saying is now everyone is wanting to hear what the individuals who represent the brand are sharing, not just from the brand, but also about themselves so that I can learn more about the individual as well as the company. And that's really been a key focus for us at UpContent over that last many years, and I would even argue years prior to that. UpContent is a content curation technology, mostly servicing B2B professional services organizations who have a number of extremely intelligent, experienced, and engaging individuals who also don't have the the time or maybe in a lot of cases the desire to be constantly active across all of their digital channels and it's those marketers who are standing behind the scenes saying oh if we could just get everything in alex's head out to the audience he's going to get so much more traction more credibility we're going to get even more great clients for us the way that we accomplish that with an up content is that we help that marketing or comms team to input the specific criteria of what an engaging external article looks like. And then Up Content will bring that article consistently into the platform. It allows automated filters around things like which publishers you care about in addition to what the content's talking about. And then also listens for what's worked well for that specific content type within your organization or what's worked well for that specific person who's gonna be sharing that content within your organization and gives a prediction of which of these new articles that match all of your other criteria, including compliance criteria, is gonna be the best next article for that person to share. And then when they share that through your current social media, email or website channels, we can also overlay a call to action banner that can be unique for that individual as well so that they can not only share that expertise, but they can also make it very very easy for that reader to take the next step in that relationship with the individual, come back to an owned property like an email newsletter or a landing page or just my LinkedIn direct messages and start that dialogue.
0: You make it sound so easy and uh, straightforward, <laughs> straightforward, Scott. And if memory serves me uh, correctly, this was, you know, UpContent was going kind to of born out of an agency that you were um, working for back in kind of 20, I'm going to say fourteen, fifteen. 15, is, is that
1: Maybe. right? Right, so we were running a marketing agency focusing exclusively on execution. So we were not the fancy Don Draper types coming up with the strategies, but would often come in after the strategy was created when that CMO would say, this is awesome, how the heck am I gonna actually get this implemented? And so rather than them having to go and hire an advertising agency and a writer agency and a social media person, or do what we all have tried to do, which is find just that one person who can do absolutely everything extremely well, we would be that one person, but that one person would actually be four people coming from our agency to help execute that strategy and that's where the idea of Up Content initially came from, which was our team was spending a lot of time trying to find that next best article. And we knew that once we had the article, because they were great at marketing, we knew exactly what to do with it, how to present it, how to get engagement off of it. But we weren't lawyers and accountants or financial advisors, and therefore had a hard time discerning should I share the Kiplinger article or the USA Today article, right? And then obviously for any financial advisor who's probably listening to this, just rolled their eyes and said, well, obviously, I don't even know what the article is talking about, but I would expect the Kiplinger is probably a better choice. We didn't know. And so we wanted to create something that would help us be more objective in what we chose and be more efficient in what we chose because we know that if it takes you as much time to find that article, as it would have to create a video or write that article, you're probably not gonna get the ROI off of that discovery of that content. In order for external content to be useful, which it almost always is as part of your content mix, not a replacement for your original content, it needs to be more of an operating expenditure, kind of a, I'm not just gonna live and die on this one Kiplinger article that I'm sharing, but it's about the set of content, the kind of aggregate of what I've shared over the last week or over the last month. And the fact that I'm consistently sharing valuable insights with my authentic hot take, if you will, associated with that insight is what endears my audience to me. It grows my audience. And so that when I do present that original content piece or that conversion oriented piece, I get on average twice the number of conversions than I would have if all I shared was original content content all the time
0: and in terms of those conversions that's we we are converting this into a human conversation or a dm has been sent saying i've seen that i've read that i'm now ready to have a conversation that's that's what we're talking here because you know whenever i that's my view on what a conversion should be but i guess if you speak and this isn't you know denigrating marketing in any shape or form but marketing may have a different view as to what a conversion may may well be. So to be clear for the audience, a conversion in my world, but also your world, it's, it's a human conversation.
1: Yes, say, yeah, individual raising their hand. And I know who that person is. I don't just see a hand raised in a swath of people. And I'm like, well, I think there's two or maybe three people out there who have raised their hands. I don't know who they are, and I don't know how to get to them. I'm not counting those as conversions. It's that I know that this person started a conversation with me. This person signed up for my email newsletter, and now I have their information, and I can continue to nurture that relationship. Or to your point, they actually came into my direct messages, and now we're having a great conversation about that article. Uh, And we often talk about conversions from a sales-oriented mindset, and obviously that's a big driver for the use of a tool like UpContent. But we've also seen a lot of growth in conversions as it relates to recruitment, you know, getting more people to see that job posting and apply for that job. Because when I see my future colleagues being experts, being thought leaders, getting that traction, getting that recognition on those digital channels, now I know who I'm gonna be working with and it makes me want to apply. Uh, And it also makes me want to stay. And so that application tracking as well, how many new people filled out this job form from the content that's being shared by their future colleagues, we also would consider that a conversion, even though there may not be direct dollars tied uh, to that.
0: And you raise an interesting an interesting point there in terms of the outcomes that one is trying to achieve by doing whatever it is you're doing with, with the content. And if I reflect on you know, my journey in in the world of social selling, although I've fallen out of love of that, that term recently. Similar time to kind of use so 2014, 2015 for, uh, for me and, the you know, the challenge of getting people to share anything, let alone corporate content, let alone their own content, let alone third-party content. And then the rise of employee advocacy, which I guess is the broad catch-all of what we're talking about. And you may well have seen... I think it was a couple of weeks ago, the CHRO Cisco was in Entrepreneur or something around how they want to turn all 84,000 employees into brand ambassadors. And I think it got to the point where she turned off the ability to be tagged in a post because so many people are going, hey, I'm going to use this to create awareness because I can help you on employee advocacy, yada, yada, yada. What? Why in, and I'm going to come to the recruitment dollar bit in a, in a minute because I absolutely agree, but why do you feel scott that we're almost 10 years on now from where this has kind of born out of and employee advocacy and brand ambassadors not necessarily anything really new in a in the concept the technology is such as your platforms make this much much uh, easier but why do you feel that even today we get really excited when it's hey cisco's doing this and it's like well yeah yeah. (laughs) kind of go figure
1: (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? Uh, and it just—it's amazing how long it takes for these things to really take hold in mass. Uh, because you're right, this idea still of I can activate my whole team, and if I do that, we know there's a plethora of research out there, particularly on the sales side. You know this as well as anyone, right? If I'm a kind of rec- a revenue-related individual, right, salesperson. Uh, or a broker or a agent or an advisor, being consistently active on LinkedIn not only gets you more opportunities, but it helps you close those opportunities faster. And those opportunities tend to stick around longer than those who are just randomly coming in and hunting for the best price. So why has it taken us so long to achieve this? And I think when you start to dig into the challenges you kind of go back to the inbound mentality, right? At the brand level, which has worked really well and continues to work well for for brands. And then when we've all seen these advocacy calculators, right? Where you just type in how many employees you have. And then all this, it like says, look, if you only are sharing it on one channel, you get 10 people seeing it. But if you put in a thousand here, you get 10,000 people seeing it, right? And they are like, oh, this is great. Let me pay a bunch of money and now get an app on everybody's phone, who's on my company, and what do I put into it? And then the usual answer is, well, marketing knows what to put into it. And marketing says, absolutely, I know what to put into it. We've been creating great content for three years. So we're just gonna take that whole library and shove it into this system and everything should work. And the problem is that Many times, particularly in those first attempts for advocacy or social selling or digital relationship management, whatever you want to call it, we assume that all we need to care about is the external audience. And we're just trying to get the article to that external audience or the video to the external audience. And we forget about probably the most critical customer of that investment, which is the employee, the individual who is now the gatekeeper who's going to, because they're good people, say, sure, marketing, I'll help you out. I'll share this content. But that only lasts so long, right? If you keep on beating the drum and saying, hey, we've got a new blog, I'm going to send a push notification to everyone and tell you all to share it. I may just share it because I feel like I have to or because I really like that $25 Amazon gift card. You know, I'd like to go buy something but it's hard to sustain. And so what we have seen is a lot of large investments, large rollouts happen. We already have content. We're a big enterprise. We've got tons of content. Put it all into there. Everybody starts using it. And then that employee logs in the next week and she sees the same content as was in there last week. And so, yeah, okay, I'll share this one now. And then I log in a week later And there may be like one new article, but it's kind of promotional and it's not even related to the geography that I'm in or the industry area that I practice. I'm just not going to share anything this week. Getting me to come back in that fourth week is infinitely harder than it was to get me to log in the first time. And so how do we solve that? And I think this is now at the stage that many of these organizations are looking to, which is, hey, employee, why aren't you involved? And they say, well, this isn't really what I want to share right? It's maybe 20% of the time I want to share this company content, but I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a pretty smart person, and I know what's going on in my industry, and I have a life, and I have interests, and I really care about the relationships that I have with the people I'm connected to. This is my social media network, and unless you as a company, and we've heard these tremors happening, which have been interesting, if you as a company are paying all these external influencers to peddle your wares, I know I'm employed, but my job description doesn't include peddling your wares. And so if you want me to do that, you need to pay me extra because you're using my audience. And now the companies are like, wait a second, this isn't going in the direction that we want it to. What else, what can we do now that we think about you as our key customer, madam employee? And usually the answer is, if this is gonna be useful for me, it needs to help me which means that it needs to have the content in it that I want to share so that I can build my own reputation and make it even stronger than it is today. And if you want me to go in and and use this tool, you need to have the external content that I care about. That's not just company or industry thought leadership, but it's also lifestyle content because that's who I am and that's how I build relationships. And what we've seen is that when you have that mix, Not only are they sharing more content in general in that program, but they're also sharing the original content more because they're seeing it more often and they can mix it in then with other stuff. And so everybody wins in that. And then you get the old adage, right, of like, well, what happens if that employee leaves and we've invested all this time and energy to help them build this reputation? And then it's back to that whole thing that we've heard with the little cartoons from years ago of what if i train the employee and they leave and then the other person says well what if we don't and they stay <laughs> and one of the things that we've seen is that again your employees your team are pretty smart people that's why you hire them to begin with and so they're not going to get the wool pulled over their eyes and just go jump to the next opportunity they recognize how they got that credibility and how they were able to position themselves. And so one of their key questions to that recruiter or that future employer is gonna be, well, what are you doing for me, right? And if they're not providing the similar level of support that they're getting from you, this is also, and we've seen research show this, a great retention tool, right? To get them to be proud of the organization they're working for and see that as a benefit to them because it is their own network and you know we work with a lot with with financial services customers and i know you've seen this alex you know legal has been similar over the years
0: yeah
1: one of those statements hey i would love to have our team do this we've got some great partners great associates but we just don't think it's even possible we right now don't allow them to have a social media presence because we are so concerned about what could happen right um and historically particularly in FinServe, right? We know there's a lot of external compliance requirements and those are only getting stronger. But what's great about that is that the technology and the capabilities are getting stronger as well. Or, you know, we have a great relationship with a tool and a a company called Proofpoint, which allows for every article that's found by UpContent to be checked against the specific compliance policy of that end customer, not a generic compliance structure without needing the compliance eyes on every single article, but still giving us comfort and faith that the advisor is then sharing things that have made it through that compliance flow. And if we're giving the advisor all the content that she needs to pick from, now we can use this as a carrot and a stick. Hey, yeah, you have to do it for compliance, but also why would you go anywhere else? You've got everything you need right here. And that's been really exciting to see kind of these historic, strong uh, organizations who have been kind of fearful of allowing their team to go off and spread their wings and fly away. Now there's the capability to do that. And they're seeing the success from it, both in terms of preservation of assets under management and top line revenue growth.
0: I mean, everything you're saying is I've, I've expe- A, experienced it myself of being on the receiving end of an employee advocacy program with an app. And then, yeah, it's like, well, I'm not going to share any of that because it's not relevant to my audience. And yeah, OK, I'm not top of the leaderboard, but if I do this, then it's going to just completely mess up what my audience thinks of me. So I'm not going to going to do it. And I think also your your point around. We kind of park the sales function for a moment in more traditional kind of B2B, but take the employees are outside of sales and marketing, finance, it, etc. It's always been, this is my network. It's not yes. yours, it's it's mine. And it was way back when a gentleman called Andrew Grill um would refer to that when you work for an organization, you are leasing your LinkedIn profile and then by proxy your network to that. Organisation, so that should be the relationship that the employer should have with the employee when it comes to then asking them if they can push up into their um uh, into their network. And that's still what I hear today in terms of, but it's my network, it's not the firm. So why would they be interested in what the firm's got to say? They're going to be interested in what I've got to uh, got to say. And sometimes that's a hard not to to crack because you have to respect that you know fundamentally the organization does not own your linkedin profile you own your linkedin profile your twitter or your x profile or insta or threads or what have you now of course you have to be cognizant that whatever you put out on social is under the auspices of the brand of the company views of my own are completely irrelevant and pointless statements to um to uh to make so how are you seeing leadership teams kind of overcome that conundrum and then i'd like to focus more on the revenue generation the sales generation side of things
1: sure so what's been interesting is it's almost been a i don't want to say bottom up because uh, i would consider those individuals even though there's more of them that are directly in front of the customers at the top uh, but traditionally from an org chart perspective it's more of a bottom-up demand pull function where the clamoring for what you're talking about and the statement of, look, I just had a performance review with my supervisor and they said that I personally need to go and generate X number of new clients and renew Y number of new clients and grow my book by Y percent over the next quarter. But then I'm not allowed to go and onto these digital channels and share what I want that I believe is going to help me accomplish these goals. So what do you want me to do? Either I'm a kind of my own p and l, and I have to go and drive it. Yes, I understand compliance, and i can I can follow that. or you're going to give me the leads or the and the opportunities, and I have to close them. But it can't be both. And so I think that's where we're hearing kind of the the watershed moment, if you will, particularly in areas like legal and accounting and consulting, insurance, where, we are relying upon the individuals to not only be the service, uh, but also win the service and win the new business at the same time. So we have to support them in being able to have these relationships. But how do we do that well? And how do we do it in a in a way that still allows that autonomy, but in a controlled environment, right? And it's, um, I haven't come up with a better way to talk about this. I have three young kids, right? So it's one of those like, you go to, and one of the, our youngest is a boy. And so one of the best places to go and take him is like this romp and roll place, right? Which is just a safe place to go and do whatever the heck he wants. You don't really have to do much, right? If he falls, it's padded, everything's great. And in his mind, he's doing whatever he wants, right? In my mind, I already know that, yeah, he can do whatever he wants, but it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be safe for him. I'm not gonna get thrown in jail for neglecting him during that time period, right? Everything's good. And the reason I'm sharing that is I think that's the new mentality that organizations are trying to get to, which is really difficult. How do I make sure that that sales team member feels like she can share and interact and be herself, do what she does best, share her knowledge and insights and her personal perspectives but in a way that if it falls or she runs into something, she's not going to get hurt and I'm not going to get in trouble as a company in doing it. And the way that we've seen that happen, and this is going to sound very basic, is by asking the team what they would like to share and then having a way to actually get that content to them. So even a basic survey to those sales team members of what is, what is the type of content you like sharing or would like sharing. And you'll always be impressed of what you get back. Usually it's industry focused content. Usually they'll talk about the owned content, the original content that the company's creating. It's not that they don't like it or don't think it's good. It is good, but it can't be all that all the time. And I think that's that's the disconnect that is now starting to be connected for these organizations is, oh, it's not that they don't think that what I'm creating for them is good, which is historically the initial defensive reaction. Why would you want to go share something else? Isn't what I'm creating good enough? Well, yeah, what you're creating is great, but I need variety. I need to showcase that I know what else is going on. And then using a technology that allows you to input those specific criteria, consistently get a filtered set of content available to them. That's not going to overwhelm them, but it's going to always give them something new every time they check it out. And that they can share a set of content from that that's not gonna be the same as their colleague sharing. Now you created the romp and roll for digital relationship or social selling. And and I agree with you on the social selling side, every time I say it, I kinda like wanna bite my tongue because the the selling aspect should only be, maybe at the most 20% of the activity on there, right? The 80% of the activity is building yourself to a point where your audience feels like you can be useful in their decision process, not to get you to a point where you can sell to them. And that's what we need to switch on that. But having that capability, having a compliance flow, having the ability to analyze and understand what's working, that's, I think, the new capabilities or newer capabilities that we're starting to see organizations now open up to because they see the results for organizations that have opened up to that. And now, even though my past life was in internal audit, the reward is so great and the risk can now be mitigated so much that your return on implementing this effort is worth it. Uh, and you can accept the risk that remains.
0: And it is always the simple things you know, God forbid you should pick up the phone to your clients and ask what they want. God forbid you should actually ask your employees what they want rather than telling them what you think that they <laughs> that they want it always is the simple uh the simple things technology is never the the solution it's part of the solution and can be an, an, an enabler to the outcomes that you are trying to achieve be it create brand awareness be it save recruitment dollars be it create um pipeline but picking up on a comment you just made there scott around um the analytics and kind of proving this is going to work or does work because back in the day it was like hey okay, i'm i'm posting stuff out there i'm getting this leadership analytics but i have no idea whether it's actually generating leads and i have no other than i actually get a dm personally on linkedin but if it's a you know a link that's going somewhere else i don't know where that's going to or is that going back to me so what are you seeing in in your platform or in the industry where you can actually now pinpoint the fact that Alex or Scott or Jane or whoever, they shared this on this channel and that's because of them doing that has now actually resulted in a conversion, a conversion being a conversation.
1: Yes, and I think especially, I'd say over the last eight months or so, that conversation, which was always important, has ratcheted up to become so much more important as budgets have gotten tighter, the cost of capital has grown, right? I would say that, 2021 time period there were a lot of organizations doing employee advocacy because why the heck not right and i'm going to invest in it and i'm going to buy this tool maybe uh, and mostly not maybe do it the way that i should be doing it but i'm doing it because everybody else is doing it and why not we've got cash it's all free flowing let's do it and now those same contracts or the new evaluator is looking at this and saying to your exact question what should I expect and when should I expect it, right? And the correlation argument, which is still true, and we kind of already talked about this a little bit, there is a lot of value in allowing your team to share content that they choose with 50 to 75% of it not being yours, right? Is kind of the, the recommendation. And we do see a correlation for those who do that we'll see twice the engagement and twice the conversions versus those who don't. And we see that that across industries, but in a lot of cases, that's still a little squishy, right? Like, okay, that's great. Good foundation. But how do I know where this lead came from? Right. And, and we all have gone through those conversations around attribution and marketing, and it's never a straight line as much as we'd want it to be, but we can still help. And, and the way that we help with that is that when an individual shares an article, whether it's through email, through social, on their website, what's great about all of those technologies that firms have already invested in is that analytics has been important to them for a very long time. And the way that those tools will track what's going on is not magic, what they're doing is adding URL variables to the link that you provide to that tool so that your reports can show you where, who sent the article through social or email, what network and who received it and what did they do next, right? It's all part of those URL variables, which is that really ugly string of parameter names equals something ugly Mm -hmm. after the question mark at the end of your URL. And so, we've all we've for a long time had the opportunity to put a think of it as like a little display ad it's a skinny rectangle 720 Mm -hmm. by 90 pixels that sits on one of the corners of that article that's being shared so we're still taking you to the original article which we believe is extremely important from a credibility perspective of the person doing the sharing right there are syndication offerings out there that give you the ability to reprint an article on a site that looks and feels kind of like yours Uh, the challenge that we've seen in a lot of cases there is that the audience member who's trying to build a relationship with alex and this is alex the financial advisor in no way believes that alex had the time energy Or maybe even wherewithal to create a new page on their website, find the Wall Street Journal article, somehow contractually working out with Dow Jones that they can find, reprint that article on their website, publish the article, get the URL, go into LinkedIn, share the URL, and that's how you got there, right? This guy barely makes meetings on time. There's no way he did all that stuff in order, like personally, to make that happen. This must be a use of Alex's profile and his audience in order to. Get me to this page and now i'm confused and i'm thinking more about that than the relationship i'm trying to build so we take you to the original article we do have this ability to overlay this little banner on it simple to see not in your face you can read the article without having to take any action that makes the publisher happy right we're not trying to divert traffic away from the publication but we're also reminding that reader who took you here and what you should do next but historically that banner was the company's banner. And so we were like, hey, this is great. Look, you can convert leads off of your team sharing this content. And we made the same mistake that the companies were making that we just talked about when it came to the content. All the leads were being directed back to the mothership, right? So we forgot about that key first customer, which is the person doing the sharing, not the company that's providing the content. And so what we saw was for some industries it was fine, but for a lot of industries, particularly industries where the individuals had their own PL or their own quota responsibility, they were upset and they would share articles intentionally that didn't have the banner versus those that did, because they didn't want to give that value back to the company because they saw the presentation that came out at the end of the quarter from marketing saying how great the advocacy program was and look how many leads we generated for the company. And then that individual would say, wait a second, you didn't generate those leads. I generated those leads. You gave me the tools and enabled me, but that's my network you're counting as your win. And I can't, why, why, that should be mine. That should be my win. That should be my lead. So what we're doing now to solve for that is that we listen for those URL variables. We look and see what URL variables are being applied, because in most of the partner integrations that we have, that indicates the person who has sent the article, whether, again, through email or social or what have you. And so because of that, we can dynamically overlay and change the banner on a personal basis without the company needing to do any work and without the individual, most importantly, needing to do anything special to make that happen. That banner sits there with whatever URL that traffic should go to, even if it's going back to the mothership, we are taking those URL variables and putting it on that destination URL so that even though everybody may go to a single lead form, when that gets captured in Salesforce or HubSpot or what have you, we know who brought the traffic there and that opportunity gets assigned to the right person automatically. So it is their lead. For organizations or industries like mortgage, or FinServe or real estate, in most cases, that individual agent or broker has their own page already, and so this is another great way to drive traffic back to their page specifically, because that's the relationship that that reader is trying to build. It's not with ABC DEF Realty, it's with Scott the agent. Yeah. that's who I'm trying to understand, and so that capability. Is fairly new, um, but we're seeing a lot of excitement in that because it finally connects that last dot and allows us to not only give them the number of leads, but we can also show where the leak may be happening. Here's how many people went to articles and didn't click on that banner. Here's how many people clicked on the banner, but didn't complete the lead gen form. And then here's the people who did the whole process. And we can compare it by individuals in the same organization or individuals in the same industry and start to really hone in to, maybe you're asking too much too quickly, or maybe you're not sharing the right content to drive that opportunity. It lets us be much more strategic about what we're sharing.
0: And just as you're talking, my brain was going in terms of the the kind of visualizing the workflow of that, uh, that happening, because th- that has always been the $64 million question, if you will, um, prove social selling works which is hard, right, to say, well, I've done all this and this person has now done this thing because they've been consistently watching me, listening, and now they're over here. But if the listeners, if you can imagine or visualize that workflow, let's just stick with LinkedIn because it's easy. You post something on LinkedIn, which could be Wall Street Journal, could be the FT, could well be corporate content as, as, as well, but with your own personalized kind of call to action banner, which, yeah, could get fed back into um, the mothership, but it gets fed into a lead gen form, which gets pushed into a Salesforce or a HubSpot or a Dynamics, and those three CRM systems sync with Sales Navigator, you then can match, you can start to stitch all this together and really start to prove pipeline generation and creation. And I guess also, I'm making assumptions here, Scott, but you should never, well, I know one should never do that, are you also able to figure out what type of content performs better versus other types of content by, I don't know, by publication or by what the actual content body is in the content style to help guide going, well, stop pushing this stuff out because it's just not working, but let's push more of this because this is getting really good engagement.
1: Yeah, that's a really great point. And and it is something that is is important to us and it's been a really great placemat for conversations with our customers both on the analytics side so what we track are clicks that occur on individual articles and each one of the individual articles that comes through up content gets a unique identifier not just at the article level but at the kind of the workflow level so we know when for this identifier that article went through this collection, which for us is kind of a node in the system, a filter step was from this social network shared by this person, originated from this topic area, had this publisher, this image, this headline, this post text, this full text, right? We know all the information about what that click was on. And then we also know the, some of the anonymous GDPR compliant user agent information. So country, obviously we capture all the URL variable, mobile versus desktop, all of those things to try to understand exactly to your point, what's working and what's not working and how does that vary by content or vary by individual? Because everyone's network is different as well. So we have all of that. And for the, I'd say the last 12, 18, maybe even longer, we've been reporting that information to our customers and it's created really great discussions, right? Or okay, so I'll do more of this and less of that. But we all know recommendations are awesome. But then i actually have to remember to implement them right and and actually do that and there wasn't as much uh of that that was going on right we kind of had the same conversations quarter after quarter hey really interesting stuff love the graphs you know thumbs up nothing changes because yeah. priorities. <laughs> and so what we've then done over the last year is taken that a step further and said okay fine Don't worry about making the changes, we'll make the changes automatically within the system. And so we have an artificial intelligence layer that allows us to understand how similar articles are to one another. Mm -hmm. And we use that click information to know, okay, article A delivered in this way, got 50 clicks. This newly published article looks very similar to the one that worked really well and doesn't look at all like the one that didn't work really well. So we're going to recommend this article to be shared next because it's most like articles that have worked well for that specific topic area for that organization or for that individual. And so, you know, our goal is, can we provide that individual in the company with the next best article for them to share? Because the other piece that we've seen, right, is that we are very busy people, particularly our target or kind of best customers who are trying to deliver on client work and earn new clients at the same time. While it would be lovely to have enough time to scroll through 20, 30, 40 articles to pick what I'd like the best, even if they're all relevant, I just need the next best one or the next best three, and I can pick one. And I want it in the tool that I'm already spending time in, in my day. So this is going to sound weird, right? But our best customers are those who never log in to UpContent. Right, and are getting the articles delivered to them in that distribution tool, in their CRM, in their social area. And we want that first set to be what they pick from. They're, they're not having to spend time. They certainly can, many don't, but to pick the one that they want best and that they can trust that that article not only is based upon the engagement that their audience has had historically, and we do for those kind of data scientists listening, We do decay the value of that click over a 90 day period because we know that audience interests change. So we're not using a a data point from 2018 to recommend the article today. We wanna use that, but we also need to make sure that article has gone through the marketing check, meaning that it matches specific criteria and comes from specific publishers that marketing is comfortable with or, or feels are valuable for their team to be sharing and has matched any compliance requirements as well. And it's from that final pool then that we make that recommendation so it's again the, the kind of romp and roll mm-hmm. mentality with this ai of here's what you should go and do next go play on that swing or jump off that tower would be the next best thing to do
0: that's really awesome to hear because it almost feels like you're taking the uh the dj dj x dj xavier which is uh, the ai um uh, AI DJ, which is insane. If you haven't listened to Spotify's AI DJ, but then you are genuinely creating a personalised newsfeed for the employee based on data which their audience is, is giving to them. And I, my instinct, if I were an employee, a salesperson, a marketing person, a finance person, or whoever, and you knew that the the third party content that's being served to you was based on what is working for your audience, that's going to make you feel much more comfortable that you're putting stuff out there um that you know your audience is going to um to engage with however but to pick up on your term you do need to add your hot take to it so yeah. your your viewpoint to it and you've mentioned the word so let's let's kind sort of not end but let's kind of go towards or conclude on uh, on ai and artificial intelligence because you know it is here only. The good thing is, even though we we I uh, cocked up in terms of not recording a couple of days ago, only yesterday I saw Microsoft have now issued their updates on how they will uh, deal with copyright infringements in um, in Copilot. What are you seeing in the world of um, uh, Gen AI? How organisations are using this to craft either the hot take or craft, social posts all, all together.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting adoption curve, right? And I'm sure you're seeing the same across the industries, particularly for us where we are, our best customers are in these trust-centric industries that we've talked about, right? It's it's about, do I trust that you're the right person to do the job for me? And do I trust that I can actually tolerate you through the duration of whatever this job is as an individual? Where we've seen external content comment has actually been an increasing importance of that is what we've heard from our customers is that I can't just share an originally crafted article anymore by itself because now there's this question in my readers' minds of, did he actually write that or did he just prompt it, right? And then to kind of copy and paste it. And for many industries, that's the extent of the concern is now I don't really know where that thought came from, which is a pretty, significant concern in the industries that we're talking about. But it's even more significant in those industries that have external compliance requirements. uh, Because then I don't really know what it's saying. And I don't know if what it's saying is accurate. And if I'm using Gen AI to create a full thought leadership piece, and I don't spend the time reading through it and editing it, I'm just using it as a way to get stuff out. A, there's nothing new in that piece, probably nothing valuable to read, because you didn't add anything to it. You just asked someone to tell you something that everyone else already knows, which is what Gen AI is in a different way. But then also, I don't know if it's, is it helping me then or is it hurting my, my reputation? And so what we've seen is that if I am sharing original content, there's an increasing importance to add context to it through these external articles to show where these thoughts and ideas and perspectives are coming from, kind of Show your work, the old elementary school requirement, right? Don't just give me the answer. But then on top of that, we've seen a lot of value in the use of generative AI to aid in that hot take. Um, And that is to your point, a very critical element of success in using any content, whether you're sharing your company's blog or you're sharing something that came from an external source If you're going to be engaging in an employee advocacy or a social selling or whatever you want to call it, or if you're just talking to somebody, you don't just want to throw an article in their face, right? Here's the title. uh, And then you walk away. Like That's totally not useful. But it's, here's an article that I think you'd be interested in. Here's what I took away from it, right? Or the reason I'm sharing this is blah, blah, blah. It doesn't need to be a Shakespearean novella that you're putting (laughs) onto that because the goal is consistency. And I need to know who you are. And so if you write in these beautiful prose and you put emojis all over the place and hashtags, and then I actually meet you and you are stone cold. I'm like, wait a second, who am I? Who is the person that I was supposed to be talking with? And you've actually done yourself more harm than good because you've wasted both of our times because I wanted the emoji guy and you're the straight-laced IBM guy. No offense to any IBM people talking about former IBM people, (laughs) right? That's a different person. And certain people want to work with the first person and certain people want to work with the second person. So don't attract the wrong people to work with you because at some point they're going to find out who you are. And so where we've seen the most success is when you read an article and say, that's interesting, immediately try to understand why you think that's interesting and just share that information. You will over time build the habit of integrating all of the kind of tips and tricks and hacks and games around the algorithm, but it all comes down to being yourself, being authentic and being consistent and sharing things that your target audience actually wants to engage with. That's gonna still, all of those other things will help you do even better on top of that. But if you don't have that foundation of, truly sharing things that are interesting to you and sharing why they're interesting, the emojis and the hashtags and the mentions and all of that stuff matters nil. The only other thing that I would say has an equal amount of value as consistently sharing relevant, valuable content, regardless of where it's coming from is especially on social, obviously, engaging with those who are also sharing relevant and value insights. that you think are interesting. I think all too often, we just kind of scroll past and say, wow, that's interesting. Maybe we read the article, but don't really do anything. Or if I'm doing something, I feel like, oh, this is only benefiting the person who shared it. You know, I'm just being a nice guy. Well, no, right. For all of us who are a little bit more self-centered, it is also benefiting you because those engagements in those conversations do do help more people see you. You are sharing that perspective. They're going to come to your profile likely and be who the heck is this person. And then on that profile, you're going to have your consistent insights being shared as well. When they click on hopefully one of those articles, there's a banner and that banner converts them back off of your leased property to an owned property, and you can start a conversation with them directly. So it all certainly ties together. Using Gen AI to help with that hot take. I do this all the time because many cases you freeze, right? When you don't know what to say and you see that blank box and you're like, oh my gosh, I really don't want to screw this up. But getting that initial recommendation, just like when we get a uh, proposal right from someone, so much easier to say what's wrong with that proposal or how you would do it differently than it is to create an idea or a proposal. So using Gen AI to be that initial proposer for you that you then tweak a little bit with what you think is interesting helps you get on the way more quickly, helps it become a great habit and allows you to achieve that consistency that you may not otherwise have achieved.
0: I feel that is a brilliant place to uh, end. Um, what I'm hearing, what I've rather he- heard loud and clear is that you need to be engaging in conversation with third party content. That needs to be, irrespective of how you're getting there today, is you need to be sharing that third party insightful content with a hot take to it, either your own view or Gen AI kind of as the, the 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 starting point. And you know, you've already said that organizations that do that, sellers that do that, see a significant uptick in terms of conversions and uh, and opportunity. And also what I've heard today is that if go to your employee advocacy team, go to your marketing team and actually tell them you're not getting the right content tell them this is what I want this is what I want in the in the in the system and Scott if people want to come find you and learn about how up content can potentially help them and their uh, their organizations where's the best place for uh, for people to go
1: yeah I mean if you're someone who doesn't want to hear my voice anymore and rather just learn for yourself upcontent.com has a lot of that information to help you get started uh, certainly I would love to speak with you directly. However, so LinkedIn is a great location or just feel free to use the old fashioned email machine at it's scott at upcontent.com and we can talk through there, but, uh, excited to hear your views, whether it's questions about implementation or questions just about strategy or, or to your point, Alex, how do I bring up this topic to my marketing team? You know, how should I present this in a way that's going to benefit me and the rest of my team? always happy just to swap stories and share ideas on, on how to make things happen fantastic
0: thank you and as always thank you so much to uh my uh listeners if you want to be on the podcast you know what to do we want to recommend people to be on the podcast but a a, a final apology to scott for, for doing take two and a final, huge, huge thank you again for uh, agreeing to come back on. We are definitely recording because I can see it in the uh, in the top right. It's always an absolute, uh, absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you, Scott.
1: Thank you, Alex. It's been great. Looking forward to our third one. <laughs>